Welcome to Whose Podcast Is It Anyway? A show where our host engages in a lively conversation with the guest. The guest chooses the topic and the host has no prior preparation or knowledge of the topic. Please note that the opinions expressed on this program are the opinions and views of the host and the guests and are not necessarily the same opinions and views of Al Seeger or Point of Insanity Game Studio. And now, here's your host, Chad Knight. Welcome to episode 58 of Whose Podcast Is It Anyway? Welcome to my mind there. Halloween, baby. That's right, I'm a fan of Halloween. Arguably my favorite of the holidays. Christmas is nice, family and friends and all that. Thanksgiving, you know, I'm always down for eating too much wonderful and tasty food. Fourth of July in America is our nation's birthday and a time to reflect on our freedoms. I like that one too. Easter and New Year's, all good and special in their own way. But I'm talking Halloween today. The day of ghosts, ghouls, and the creepy. What is it about Halloween that makes me wait for it every year? Could it be the chill in the air? Could it be the spooky music? Might it even be the haunted houses, stories of hauntings and other demonic happenings? It could be any and all of those. And and more. But we all know what this time of year is really about, don't we? That's right. Satan! No, pumpkin spice everything. Not Satan? In case it was missed, that was sarcasm. <laughs> heavy okay. cream and, I mean, heavy sarcasm. <laughs> I don't quite get the addiction America has with pumpkin spice. However, I'm getting off topic. Halloween, the time of year, even someone like me who hates horror movies, dedicates an entire weekend to nothing but horror movies. Because there's a small child inside of me who wants to be scared. Everyone has that small part of themselves that enjoys getting scared. I truly believe that. Now, I could go into all the psychological reasons for this, but just suffice it to say that, yes, we like to be scared. I will say that I can remember one of the first times I was scared by Halloween was the year that Thriller was released to TV on Halloween, and we watched that music video. The zombies, the music, it all got my young heart racing. However, the thing I will never forget is Vincent Price doing that spoken portion of the song. It absolutely chilled me to the bone, and to a certain degree, it still does to this day. So, happy Halloween, my friends. Stay scared. And mind mare. So this episode, we'll be talking to a man who needs no introduction. Hey. However, I suppose I can introduce him. Hey, thanks. Al Seeger, Al Seeger is my number one guest on the podcast. I mean, literally, he was my first guest. And he's also been my most frequent guest. This is Al's seventh time on the show. We have discussed things from pizza to religion and more. So I'm looking forward to what Al has for me today. So Al has his own podcast called Geekery in General, where he talks about, well, geeky things, role-playing, video games, how real religion can be used in fantasy role-playing. Welcome to the show, Al. Hey, thanks. So what are we talking about today, Chad? That is your job. Why don't you tell us what we're going to be talking about today? 
Okay, so decided to talk about a do a fun topic today because I know we've had fun in the past. We've also tackled serious issues, but yep. The topic I'd like to discuss today is changing technology. So, Chad, okay. let's look at some of the changes we've seen in our lifetime. Uh, All we've right. seen. And this actually goes well with, uh, kind of goes hand in hand with the podcast we just recorded. So, um, yeah, it kind of does. But let's look back at the changes in our lifetime. We've seen TV go from black and white to beautiful high definition. We've seen video games go from a square moving around on the screen to realistic graphics, and we've seen we've seen port. Oh, good. I'm going to interrupt you here just for a second. Do you remember the Atari, uh, I think it was the 2800? 2600. One of my, what's that? 2600. 2600? Yep. Okay. Whatever. My favorite game on there was a baseball game. And everything was blocked. The, the players were like little blocks set on top of blocks. The ball was like four pixels big. And it was this little square ball. But I played that game until the cartridge died. But yeah, and now I can't play video games because they're so realistic. They give me motion sickness. I was more of a venture man myself. You know, somebody get this freaking duck away from me. But anyways, so yeah. The, other, seen... the big adventure game I played, of course, was Pitfall. Uh, Pitfall. Yep. And let's see, we've also seen, you know, home music go from you know, vinyl records to cassette tapes to CDs to MP3s. Back to vinyl. Yeah. So, Chad, looking back, are you glad that you had a chance to witness this gradual progression? Or do you kind of, are you, do you find yourself kind of jealous of the toys and gizmos that kids today have to, to play with? Well, not even just play with, but, you know, also use for other practical purposes. Right. You know, I'm kind of torn about that. I think technology is both really good and kind of scary because there are things in this universe that could knock out our grids without warning. You know, they talk about, um, you know, the sunspots causing gravitational whatever with the earth and how if it were to you know impact the earth directly though there would be no physical damage to like you and i they would take down entire you know power grids and i think that we've become so dependent upon technology cell phones and i mean i don't even have a landline at my house anymore you know but cell phones and computers and everything that were that to happen, chaos, man. That's true, because, I mean, I've heard there have been uh, studies where they've, you know, taken younger kids, and if they've had to go without their smartphone or their DS for too long, they start to show signs of addiction withdrawal. And I believe yeah. you've tackled, you tackled a gaming addiction on one of your earlier episodes. I but did. I think it's a fun topic to investigate because or to talk about because again we've we are of the era where we've seen that gradual progression and 
I admit there are times where I am jealous of some of the stuff that we have today that we never had when I was a kid. I mean, specifically for me, I would have loved to have had an MP3 player when I was younger. Cause oh God, I always, because yes. I mean, I always loved to take walks around the neighborhood and mm-hmm. I was a paper boy for a while. And, you know, so I did, a, I also walked to school almost every day. I did a lot of walking and usually I listen to my, remember the old Walkman? Yep. Yep. And of course there it's like, okay, you had your tapes, which anywhere from eh, usually, well, if you bought like a studio album, usually anywhere from about, you know, 30 some minutes to some, maybe up to 40, 45. Mm-hmm. Uh, then of course you remember, remember making mixtapes back in the day. Oh yeah. You had to make mixtapes for your girlfriend, man. I never had a girlfriend back then, so I always make the mixtapes for myself. But still. Well, I did that too. But, you know, do you remember the days of sitting there with your tape player all ready to record and waiting for a song to come on the radio and then hoping that the DJ wouldn't talk over the intro or the outro and then recording that song and hoping nobody in the house made any noise, the dog didn't bark, and you could have that song? God, I remember doing that. And yeah. and how easy it is now, because now I just go out to iTunes and be like, I want this song. And they're like, 99 cents, please. And you're like, go. And yeah. now I have the song. But yeah, I mean, I would have loved, I mean, I would have loved it back then just because of all the walking I did. And, you know, of course, the problem is those double A batteries only last so long. But I suppose mm-hmm. portable media players are a good place to start with, um, you know, talking about how technology has evolved. Because, you know, of course, before we had those old, you know, those pocket radios, which I don't know, I never really got into them um, because I never really did like listening to the radio very much because most, I mean, I've always been a a heavy metal fan and at least where I came from radio stations in Wisconsin for you, is there? Yeah, usually you're lucky if you got like Metallica, ACDC and Guns N' Roses uh, mm-hmm. Those were the three metal groups that usually got the most radio play. Uh, occasionally, you might hear an Iron Maiden song on the radio. But I'd have to say that, you know, what really, because, I mean, I do remember when it went from, when it jumped from the Walkman to the Discman. I did. And actually, I have a funny, well, not a funny story, but I have a story about that. So I was in high school. Uh, mid-high school, maybe junior or uh, sophomore or junior year, somewhere in there. And uh, well, it would have been 1991, so sophomore year. And Guns N' Roses put out their double EP of uh, Use Your Illusion 1 and 2. And I had been saving up because I wanted to get a Discman and I wanted to get um, some CDs to go with it. And I wanted to... Uh, be able to, you know, go in, not just go in by the Discman, but buy a couple CDs with it, you know? So it finally got to that point. Guns N' Roses had just dropped Use Your Illusion 2. And, of course, you know, I had the tapes of, I had Guns N' Roses Lies, and I had Guns N' Roses Appetite for Destruction, you know, on tape. So this was the next progression. So I remember going into a Camelot Music, which doesn't exist anymore. And I went in there and I bought a Discman, and I bought the box set. So I got both of them at the same time. It was $119 or something like that 
for a Discman and two CDs. Wow. That's insane. But I was so damn happy to drop that money and get those things. And then the Discmans were crap. Yeah, see, I never actually got into Discmans and the Discman because, for that reason, because of all the walking I did, it was hard to listen to them while walking. Because they would skip. Yeah, and even in a car. Every time they they would bump something, they would skip. Yeah, which, that's one of the things I did, like, there was, um, before, like, iPods got really popular, there was something that was kind of the, it was the midway between a cassette and a CD. Do you remember the mini disc? I do remember the mini disc. Because I actually have one of those. And what the mini, yeah, what the mini disc was... Uh, well, first of all, they weren't very big. They were maybe about a, about half the size of a cell phone. Mm-hmm. And the thing about the mini disc, it had the clarity of a CD, but like a cassette tape, you could record over it. And the first one I had, it was a Sony. So the thing that sucked about it was that it had, well, this being Sony, of course, they had the digital rights management, where the way it operated is... Well, each of these discs had about as much space as a normal CD did. Right, yep. And the thing that sucked about it was, you, and I, I understand why they did this, once you had a song added to your library, you could only import it to three discs. After that, you can't import it, you can't put it onto a new disc until it's been checked back in. That's what they called it, checking in and checking out. Which, okay. again, I understand why they did it. But it really wasn't a bad little format because, first of all, the disc player only ran on one AA battery, and you could usually get about a good 50 or so hours out of it. Well, um, that's not bad at all. I yeah. never had one, so I'm learning. I'm learning here as we talk. Yeah, and it's like, you know, this little iPod now that I keep in my pocket, you know, that can hold days worth of music. So, yeah, oh, I would have loved to have had those back in this, back in the day. So, okay. Now, MP3s, they definitely have their place when you go exercise, go walking, uh, even on car rides now, because most vehicles, you have what's called an aux. Auxiliary, um, yeah. Yeah, an aux port. And you can plug your phone in, you can plug your MP3 player into it and play whatever you want. But... If you have a catastrophic failure on your iPod, it's not like a disc where if I have a disc and my radio breaks down, I still have my disc. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that is one of the problems with the iPod. Well, actually, I know my iPod, it does have the option to get for a tuner. Um, So you supposedly you can pick up radio radio stations on it. I've never used it, so... I guess what I'm getting at is if your iPod fails catastrophically, it's not something that can be fixed. Where does that music go? Well, the thing is uh, you download, you have the music on your computer. Uh So, you know, basically it's backed up to your computer. So, yeah, if my iPod does fail catastrophically, then I just, it's a matter of either getting it fixed or getting a new one. And then I just re-upload the stuff to the to the the device okay what oh we're talking about the disc man not or the mp3 wait no you're saying the mp3 player 
Because yeah, right. yeah, that would be one of the disadvantages to the disc man I had. Um, like I said, if one of the if the disc like that I download that I checked out a song to would get destroyed or inoperable, I don't think there's a way to check I, it I back in. Yeah, check it back in. So that would limit the number of discs I could export a song to, which not really much of an issue, and I don't think I ever had a problem with that. But anyways, go on. Okay, so what if, let's say, God forbid, you have a house fire. You lose your MP3 player and your computer. Where's well, that music? If I bought it from iTunes, it's backed up on their servers where I don't have to repurchase it again because they keep a, they keep your, your purchase history. Okay. So if my computer does, like I said, take a shit. Oh, sorry. Um, if no, that's com- okay. It's okay to swear on this one. Oh, fucking A. Yeah, that's right. Sorry. I'm so used to monitoring uh, my language on my own show. So sorry about that. <laughs> but well, like that's I said, fine. if my computer has a failure, I mean, iTunes, they it does have that backup so I can get my music again. Um, so that is one of the things that is kind of nice about, well, I know they also talk about, you know, backing up stuff to the cloud. Um but the other thing you can always do for stuff that you don't buy through iTunes, you know, you can always just download that to an external device to back it up. And that's what I do. I I have a total of five backups of my important documents. I'm not okay. paranoid at all. No, I guess not. I'm just I'm I'm just trying to get to the I guess the the core of how safe is using an MP3 versus using like a disc. You well, know what I'm saying? I think it's safer because, I mean, if a disc gets scratched up, what do you, you know, I mean, it's, you can try to fix it because I know they do have the, the CD, DVD repair uh, kits, but right, still, but I mean. too deep, those don't work, trust me. I've been there. I know. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I mean, I, well, of course, any sort of media is going to have its, uh, its problems, you know, with discs can get scratched. Remember when the guts from a tape would come out? Oh, the pencil. Yes. The that's dreaded what... octagonal pencil. Yeah, there was. Because, <laughs> you know, there's one of those pictures that goes around Facebook every now and then. It has a picture of a cassette tape and a pencil. And it says, like and share if you know the connection between these two items. I actually have a T-shirt that has that. And it's got that and the pencil. And it says, future generations will not understand what these two objects have in common or something like that. Oh, yeah. There was another one. Um, Someone... uh. I guess, I don't know if this is a just a story someone made up or if it really happened, but uh, someone showed a, a younger child, you know, one of those old three and a half inch uh, floppy disks. And someone's like, oh, you 3D, you, you did a 3D printout of the save, the save icon. It's like, <sighs> I'm old. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, you know, let's, let's look at music just from, from the time we were born. So I was born in 76. I know you were born a couple of years before that. 75, not too much more earlier. Oh, well, it's only a year. Okay. Yep. So I remember when I was a kid, my uncle had a library. I mean, a legit library of the um, eight tracks. I remember now, eight if tracks. If you're really young, what an eight track is, is you take a tape like a tape cassette, you put it on growth hormones, become six times as big, 
and you turn it on its side and you would push it into the player instead of dropping it into a into a front loading type thing. Yeah, my uh my dad had an 8-track player, but I don't think we ever got it to work. So I don't know if it was just broken. The 8-tracks or... was and why cassette tapes were better is because what 8-tracks were made on didn't last. You know, they would they they had a shelf life. You could play them X amount of times basically before they would just not operate anymore. So cassettes were made, and of course vinyl was in during all this time too. I mean, vinyl was still relatively big when I was a kid. My dad had three or four hundred forty-fives, which for kids not old enough to know what a forty-five is, it's a third of the size of a regular um, vinyl record, and it usually had one or two songs per side. So it's like, and it was like a it was like a, like a super EP. And remember, back on... This is another one of those struggles that kids today will never know. Remember you had to switch the speed setting of the record player based on what you were listening to. Cause Did if, you have a record player old enough that it had a 78 setting? I think we did, yes. So now 78s, when, when you see these old TV shows and they talk about spinning stacks of wax... 78s were pretty much made out of wax. And if you got them too warm, they melted. There wasn't vinyl in them. They were literally some sort of special type of wax that was pressed and then music was put on them. Yeah, it's because it's like with the bigger disc, it had to spin at a slower speed than the it was smaller. 33. It was yep. 33 um, RPMs. And of course, and, if and... you would uh, put it on the wrong speed, it's like, you know, the larger homes, it would go really fast. And so just like, and then of course the, yeah. the smaller ones, it's like, I don't yeah, know if it 45 on a 33 setting. That was, it was hilarious. The, the, the funniest thing though, was to put a 33 on the 78 setting. And it was like Elvin and the chipmunks on crack. It was, it was hilarious. Oh, let's do but another, anyway. let's go another flashback going back to uh cassette tapes. Remember yeah. how awesome it was when you had the two decks boombox? Because then yeah. you could record, that's how you could record from tape to tape. And, you know, you some of them had the high-speed dubbing setting because normally yes. you'd have to listen to it, but you could do high-speed dubbing, which, from what I understand, you lost a little bit of quality. You did, but not that you and I would have noticed, Yeah, you know. But again, you listen to them. You listen to them in the high-speed dubbing, and again, it sounds like Elvin and the Chipmunks uh, singing, you know, Stairway to Heaven or whatever you are dubbing. Right, right. But, uh, so then then from, eight, so you had vinyl, you had 8-track, then you went into tape cassettes, and then CDs and mini-discs started to make come out in, in the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, they, mini discs, I think, were mid to late '90s, and or were they that far? Yeah, the well, okay. at least that's when they first started to become commercially available. I don't know how many record companies jumped on the format where they were releasing the mini discs. You know, it, usually it was just the preloaded songs, or no, right. usually it was just the blank discs, and then you put what you want on it. I don't yeah. think there were. I don't think they ever really got into pressing copies of albums on mini discs. Yeah, though, like I said it wasn't a bad little format. It just never, it never took place. It never really took off. And I think it's because of uh, 
MP3s, how once the you know iPod took over and MP3 players started to come down in price, then the mini disc just kind of that became a relic of the past. Do you do you remember in Men in Black in the original movie, they're they're driving in that 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 pimped out Ford, and uh, 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 Agent uh, oh, what the hell was his name? Not not K, the older guy, uh, Agent uh, Smith. No, not Smith. That's Matrix. Uh, yeah, Kane. But anyway, the older guy, Tommy Lee Jones character. Okay. He like pulls out a mini disc and he shows it to uh, Will Smith and he's like, you know what this is? And he just kind of looks at him blankly. He's like, it's the White Album. So it was the Beatles' White Album. And he goes, these are the next big thing. And it was a mini disc. And I thought that was a funny throwback. But yeah, so you had the CDs, which early on the quality was horrible. It was so easy to scratch a CD beyond repair. Uh, the the players were really bad. I remember when I was a senior in high school, I still had my Discman. And, of course, I was driving by then. So I wanted to listen to it because I bought one of these things where you could plug it into the side of your Discman. The where the tape, yeah. Go, and you put it in the tape deck, you know. And it was great, but every time you hit a bump, it would skip. So I went out and I spent like $75 on this device that looked like was a square that you would set your discman on, and then it had little uh, legs on it that had uh, springs and stuff in them to hold it. So when you hit a bump, and that helped quite a bit. Unless I mean, if you really hit a if you hit a Wisconsin pothole, it was still going to skip. But just the little things on the road didn't make them skip. But you know, by then, you know, you spent a hundred dollars for the player. You spent $75 on this. You spent $20 on that stupid little device to plug it into your into your car. And then CDs came out. And when that first came out, they were so expensive. I remember um, a guy that my brother worked with, he came over. His parents had just bought him a new Maserati and it had a CD player built into it. It was, you know, in the, we were all, he's like over here showing off his car and we're like, CD player in the dashboard? That's what got us. We're like, yeah, it's a Maserati, whatever. But you had a CD player like nowadays. That's commonplace, you know. Right, and now we see that everywhere. And if you and got, our, and, and I, oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Okay, and I remember because remember when, uh, eventually got to the point where you could put your, you could make a data disc of MP3s, but early car CD players couldn't read those. So it was really nice when they came out with the ones that had the MP3 disc readers. Right. So because yep. you could put more stuff on it. So yeah, I remember when you had one of those, you were styling. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, and now then, it's like cars come with the auxiliary jacks, so you don't even need to do the mess well, around Bluetooth with it. Bluetooth even. They're getting to the point where you can just take your iPod, turn on Bluetooth, and boom. Through the car stereos. Car. Yeah. Yeah, because I used so, to have one of those, but I found that the I don't know, because I used to have one of those things, you plugged it into the cigarette lighter, and then you selected a radio station, and that's how it would broadcast your the stuff from your MP3 player over your car stereo. Oh, yes, I remember that as well, yeah. And I've had a couple of them. The first one I had was awesome, but then like the other ones I had, because I forgot what brand it was, but it was hard to get a decent signal where you could actually hear your music clearly, and... That's why I'm so happy when my, my current car ride, how it has the auxiliary jack. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's it's things like that. So that's kind of music. Now let's talk 
TV. Oh, you know? cable, yes. Because remember... You know, three stations. Yep, and, three as Jeff, and as Jeff Foxworthy in one of his things, he's like... Yeah, remember when remember when there were just three channels and if the president was on, your night was shot. But I mean it's still that's something that yeah. I think kids today don't understand where back then a really good cable package may have had fifty or sixty channels. Now most basic cable packages will get you about double that. Mm-hmm. And I remember we were one of the first people to get cable because my dad is a TV hound. He still is to this day. We were one of the first people to get cable in in our neighborhood anyway. And it was, we got the three basics. So you got ABC, NBC, and CBS. You got WGN out of uh, Chicago. We got Fox out of Green Bay. And then there was one other channel. I mean, our cable channel. And everybody thought we were the coolest kids on the block. We got six channels. <laughs> you know? And my dad probably was paying $30 a month or some stupid number like that for it. Yeah, because I think when we got our first cable, I'm wanting to say 88, maybe 87. I think okay. we had 40, like 30 or 40 channels. Because back then... Uh, at least when we got cable, you had this set-top box. It had an extension cord so you could bring it to the chair, but it yep. had that little triangle, that little clicker. So, yep. you know, that's how you would flip through the channels. And uh, kids are so spoiled today with the on-screen guides because I remember back then there was usually the one of the first channels on the, you know, on the box was for the the guide where it would have the, you know, would show usually like a one and a half hour block that would scroll down. And, and you'd have to wait. Yep. And if you accidentally missed it, you know, you, you had to wait till it came around again, where it's nice with, because uh, I think right now with most of the, the pro- on-screen guides, you can usually forward ahead a couple hours. But yeah, yeah back then it's like, and it was so slow. So, or somebody at school would tell you this is on tonight, and they tell you what channel, and you get home, and you're like, I want to watch this at seven o'clock, and your parents would be like, What channel? And you're like, I don't remember. And this, we didn't have the guide in the beginning, so it was like, Click, and then wait for the commercial, click. And eventually, you would find it, you know, but it was, it was crazy. Yeah, because we had, I remember on ours, it had a little, uh, it had a piece of paper that you would, because like the top of the box, had a transparent plastic envelope and you know you would slide um the you had a piece of paper that would slide in and right. be like okay channel 37 is usa network or whatever and but yeah you know, talk about it and this is where i think some younger people today might be surprised do you know what the m in mtv used to stand for i do it was music. Yes, they used to play music on MTV before it became reality shows about pregnant teenagers. Oh, yeah. Hey, perfect. You're wearing your MTV shirt. But I am. And, you know, what's interesting is I, I think it's one of those things where at least when we got cable, it was kind of taken for granted that um, MTV would be available with it. But there was a time because you remember there was the campaign ad, I want my MTV. And they would show like some famous rock star saying it. And that's because back then 
you know, of course, the cable companies only had could do so many channels and MTV wasn't available in all areas. So right. that was a big campaign. And, um, you know, of course, appropriately, the you know what the first video they showed on MTV was. I do know that as well. It was video killed the radio star. Quite appropriate. So, but yeah, I mean, it, I do. No, it was the first one. I'm pretty sure. No, I know. What was the second one? Uh, wasn't it Thriller? No, I don't know. No, the second one actually after they they played the first song. They had technical problems, so you had 10 minutes of snow, and a lot of people tuned out. The second video was Pat Benatar's Love is a Battlefield. <laughs> I didn't know that, but when we talk about Thriller, I remember that video was so popular and that they actually had a schedule for when they were going to show the Thriller video, um, which I got to admit, I mean, it was a neat video for its day. Seven minutes long or something like that. Yeah. And another one that one of Michael Jackson, actually two other Michael Jackson videos I know that, you know, were really hyped, Bad and Smooth Criminal, um, you know, because they were almost like mini movies, just like Thriller was. Now, again, say what you like about Michael Jackson for all his faults that he had. Uh, you know, he was a good musician and he's a hell of a musician. And like I said, he made some I mean, I don't know how much of the creative direction was necessarily his alone, mm -hmm. but they were really good videos. They were, as I said, mini movies. And um, and I've, the one show that I remember my sister and I always staying up for was Headbangers Ball because we were both heavy metal fans. So with D. Snyder, Headbangers, well, no, what was it before Headbangers Ball? I, um, well, I know there were, uh, what was it? Cause I, I know a friend of mine was telling me about, I think it was on USA. They had their own thing to compete with MTV called night flight where, you know, they would show some music videos and then they'd show a movie and maybe some experimental shorts. But yeah, I mean, MTV headbangers ball. I know we always liked that one. And, um, well, you know, I had, I, what I was getting at is I just recently watched an interview with D Snyder. And for a year and a half before Headbangers Ball, he had sold this idea to MTV um, to do a heavy metal show. And it wasn't called Headbangers Ball. I can't remember what it was called now. but And they agreed to it as long as he would host it. So he went and hosted it for a year and a half and did it for absolutely nothing. They didn't pay him a dime. And so at the end of the year and a half, he's like, we've been doing this for a year and a half. You know, these are the ratings, blah, blah you guys need to pay me. And they're like, no. So they got, what was his name? Ricky Rocket or something like that. Ricky Rockman, I think. And Ricky yeah, Rockman. I know another one of the heavy metal DJs was Adam Curry. He was okay. Yeah. And then there was another one, um, Kevin something. Cause I remember they were saying he's on late night when he won't hurt anybody. But yeah. And, yeah. Cause I know that you had this, these VJs that were, well, they were the new radio disc jockeys, and um, so yeah, they well, had, they developed. MTV, who was your favorite MTV uh, VJ? Oh, it's been so. I I like I said, the only ones I remember were Ricky Rack. Is either Ricky Rackman or Ricky Rockman? I'm not sure. I think it was Rackman, and then Adam Curry. He was okay. Like I said, that, those are the ones I remember most. Um, Do you I'm sure. The guy who used to read the news. What was his name? 
Oh my God, he was the ugliest guy ever, but he was on MTV for so many years, and I can't think of his name right now. I was never but, on MTV. What's that? I was never on MTV. You said the ugliest guy ever. I was never on MTV. You are not <laughs> the ugliest man ever. Oh, okay, well, thank um, you. <laughs> but anyway, my favorite VJ was downtown Julie Brown. Okay, yeah, I remember her. Yep. She was, she was good at her job. She wasn't hard to look at, and... You know, it was just, she kind of had that whole package. She was on there for a long, long time. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, I mean, when did MTV stop playing music? About 2002, 2003, maybe? Mm, something like that. And, yeah, and then they came out with the MTV2, and it's like, yeah, it's, I don't know. I haven't now, really you watched. Have watch, like, MTV9 to get any music, I think. <laughs> but, uh, and again, a friend of mine was saying that, for a while, there was this period where one of the biggest bootleg items, one of the hottest items on the bootleg circuits, were VHSs of MTV. So you could actually make a decent amount of money if you would just, you know, pop up, you know, buy some VHS players, VCRs, pop in a bunch of tapes, record, you know, three, four hours of, of MTV. Mm-hmm. And there were people that would pay 50, 60 bucks and again, this is back in the 80s and early 90s, they would right. pay 50, 60 bucks just for a VHS tape of MTV. And... Well, hell, uh, I wish I would have known that. <laughs> we were in, we're in the wrong business. But, well, I know nowadays right? that's not really practical because it's just so easy. It's so much easier to bootleg stuff. But, yeah, right. I mean, in MTV, it became almost kind of this lifestyle, you know? It was where, you know, you could see the latest fashions and hear the latest music and all that. And I know eventually they did start to move into doing, um, you know, some of the experimental cartoons with, I think it was like Liquid Television. And of course, Beavis and Butthead, that's where they got their start. Yep. And, you know, the thing about that is it was technology. They they started with stuff like the real world, which unfortunately started our... Uh, our, our ability, our, our addiction to reality TV. But I remember watching that back in the day going, even then I thought reality TV was kind of like, this isn't going to go anywhere. Boy, was I wrong. But yeah, well, you know, back then I didn't even like it, but anyway, let's, let's get beyond the actual individual stations. Let's talk about how TV has developed. So when I was a kid, we had a color television. We never had a black and white TV that I'm aware of. I remember um, having a black and white TV around kindergarten because I remember we were talking in class about how that night, um, the teacher mentioned that night Wizard of Oz was going to be on and, you know, told us the story, you know, told us about how it starts out in black and white, then it goes into color. And I remember my family, yeah, it's like because my family had a black and white TV back then and it was like. I'm like, oh, we have a black and white TV. Does that mean it's going to be in color? Well, no, it wasn't, but still. But so black and white, you know, and then in the 60s or so, they started with color. And then I remember when I was a kid, the first TV I remember my parents having was this huge console. You know, it was gigantic, but the TV was maybe 16 inches. You know, it wasn't very big, but you had the big speakers on the side inside the console, mm-hmm. and you know, it was it was actually had vacuum tubes in the back of the TV. 
Oh, yeah. Because I remember the way we got rid of that one eventually was we were sitting in the in the uh, living room as a family watching something on TV. I can't remember what we were watching. But we had one of those vacuum tubes actually implode on itself. Oh. Scared the living shit out of everybody sitting there. Because it is loud. It is scary. But so you went from that sort of thing into the more, like the CRT TVs, which are your crystal... Oh, crap. I Liquid crystal display. Sort of, what's that? Liquid crystal display. No, before that, they, they they were the CRTVs. They were the ones with the big thing jutting out the back, and they weighed about a gazillion Projection pounds. Projection TVs. What's that? Projection. Yeah, almost. And, and then from there, you kind of went into the start of the flat screens, mm-hmm. um, which in the very beginning were ungodly expensive, like eight grand for a 50-inch TV or something like that. You know, There was projection TVs along the way. There was – and then – now, I mean, what is it now? 4K, 3D? Ultra 4K, I think, is the big one where... And the picture quality is awesome because what they oh, do is absolutely normally... amazing. Yeah, because normally what they do is they... Most TVs will use three types of... Three colors. Red, mm-hmm. blue, and green. However, these new ones that have the really sharp pictures, they add a fourth color in there. Yellow. And yeah, you can tell the difference. And um, I mean, I remember our first HD TV we got. The thing about, I mean, the thing I didn't like about it is it took a little longer to warm up. So sometimes mm-hmm. you would start to hear the sound before you hear heard the picture. Um, and I remember they took oh, you like pictures. What's that? You hear pictures? Yeah, I do. <laughs> only when I've had sound before you. Sure. Only when I, I I only hear pictures when I've had too much coffee, but. No, the, Fair enough. but yeah, and I remember one of the things they, they told us about when we first got it is after you turned it off, you had to wait about, a, they recommended waiting a couple minutes before you turned it on again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's just because the TVs back then, it needed time to, I guess, cool down before. And if you would turn it off and on too much, it would, could damage the thing. But well, it was because they had to discharge as well. They built up a static in the back, in all the, the, the resistors and stuff. And if you would turn them off and on, there was a chance that it would discharge and you could fry your entire TV. And when you're paying, you know, $1,000 plus for these things, you probably don't want to fry it every time you turn it on. You know? Yeah. And, you know, when you talk about TVs, of course, think of all the devices you can plug into them. Remember, I remember back then, you know, if you wanted to hook up a VCR, a video game system, and your cable to the same TV, you had to kind of put all the... Because remember, a lot of everything there, they just had little screw-in things. You know, this was before right. the days of the HDMI cables and the, you know, the RCA cables. So that was always a nightmare sometimes, just trying to get all this stuff to work correctly. Yeah, um, Absolutely. And it's like, yeah, if you wanted to hook up a, a, a video game to go through a VHS player, you know, there was that that could be tricky. It didn't always work properly. Um, you know, and of course, nowadays, most TVs, I have, I think, have done it well. I think most of them still do have the screw in stuff for um, if you are using the coaxial cable connections. Oh, for coax? Yes. Yeah. 
Um, but a lot of them now, they come with four, five, or six, you know, USB ports on the back. And a lot of the game systems now have USB ports that you plug in with and, well, and all that kind of stuff. On the console, most of your – not on the console to plug devices into the console, but, yeah, most of your game systems nowadays are going to use HDMI, which is nice with HDMI cables because it, you know, it reduces – it reduces everything from this whole mess of cables down to one cable. So that is right. something I actually do like. And But, you know, I guess you want to talk about video games um, – you know, again, we were talking before how you used to have no problems playing something like Pac-Man or Donkey Kong, and it's like, I, Maybe, I, but when they came out, man, eight-bit graphics was amazing. Oh yeah, because um, back I remember my cousin was the one who introduced me to the Nintendo Entertainment System, and okay. I remember being blown away because most of my friends who were lucky enough to have video game consoles back then had an Atari twenty-six hundred. So to go from something like, you know, Pitfall or Venture to Super Mario Brothers and Legend of Zelda, that was a huge leap. And that was what? That was 16-bit, right? Uh, 8-bit. Yeah, the, the, the Super Nintendo. And the 16-bit systems didn't really start until about 89, because that's when the 88, 89, because that's when the Sega Genesis came out. And then... Uh, the the Super Nintendo came out uh, like a year or so later. But yeah, we didn't start to go in there. And then, you know, and I remember when I first saw a 16-bit system and saw a Super Nintendo. I okay. thought there's no way video game music and graphics are ever going to get better than the Super Nintendo. Boy, was I wrong. I mean, at the, at the time, that was... Holy shit. Exactly. And because I remember one of the first video games I saw from the Super Nintendo was Final Fantasy 2, though we, of course, we know now it's Final Fantasy 4. But when I heard the music from that game, it impressed me because it sounded so, it sounded fairly realistic. And on my many episodes ago on my own show, uh, Lou and I, we did tackle the, the subject of video game music. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't think there's, I don't think there's a really, uh, you know, need to go into it in depth here, but you know, then of course talking to yourself. Yeah. (laughs) Well, go back and listen to those episodes if you haven't, because it is interesting to just look back at how video game music and how it was created uh, has evolved over the years. But then of course, once the disc based systems came out, well, and the N64, I think you could get realistic music on that too. But you know, when, when video games moved to the CD systems, Again, that's where things really started to, uh, you know, you really notice, started to notice a lot of improvement. Now, I know people, myself included, will argue that a lot of the the earlier 3D CD games, the graphics weren't quite quite as impressive compared to some of the sprite-based stuff. Um, and again, that's just because, you know, and at that time, like with the PS1, and the Sega CD, it was still in its infancy. Right. But yeah, it's like, I, I really have to wonder what's going to come next. Because, you know, they moved from the CDs to the, you know, DVDs. And I think uh, Xbox One and the PlayStation 4. And I think the PlayStation 3 used Blu-rays. But the Nintendo Switch uses, it's a smart card that, like, it looks like the kind you would put in your digital camera. Oh, Okay. Which is actually another good topic to explore. Cameras. 
Do you remember the yeah. old remember the old film based cameras? My very first camera was a one ten film. So one ten, I don't know was the speed or an aperture or what it was, but it was this little square rectangle looking thing. And it was nice because unlike a 35 millimeter, it was really hard to expose the film to, to light. Yeah. So a lot of times my mom started all of us boys off with these 110 cameras. Yeah. They, they were... took horrible, they took horrible pictures. They took blurry pictures, but it was kind of cool. And then I actually upgraded. I had a really nice 35 millimeter camera, took great pictures, but now even that film is, I don't know if you can even buy film anymore. I'm sure you can, you can. somewhere. Yeah, the, but the 30... for the most part, everything's digital. Yeah, and I remember yeah. the first yeah. digital camera I ever saw, it used a three-and-a-half-inch floppy as the, for the disc that you would put in. And oh. I think if you did the highest quality setting, it could only have like seven, eight pictures on it. Um, but, I mean, I will have to say, I do like shooting with traditional film. But there is always, of course, that anticipation when you do shoot with that. You know, remember, you would take it to the one-hour video and or one-hour photo, and, yep. you know, you'd sit there all excited because, you know, you could, especially if you just got back from a really fun vacation. Um, right. You know, seeing what the, the pictures were turned out like. But I have to say with digital cameras, that is one of the things I don't miss, developing the film. Because it's so much nicer because now not only can you get more pictures on these current on the current digital cameras, but you also have the ability to go back and look and see what it looked like. So if you, you're not sure if a shot turned out the way you wanted to, you can oh, always God. go back and delete it and then um, and then just take a new picture. Um, I, I remember so many times getting pictures back and thankfully most places, would let you just be like, oh, I don't want this one. I don't want this one. You know, if they were crappy. Your thumb got in but, the way of the lens. Right. Or they just didn't turn out or whatever. And, but now you don't have that problem. If you look at a picture and you're like, oh, huh, got my thumb in the way. Delete. Yeah. And I'd have to say the time where I really, a couple times where I really appreciated digital cameras is when my family went to Disney. Because um, I'm a bit of a shutter bug. I love taking pictures. So just the fact that I could go on this trip and take hundreds and hundreds of pictures, that was, you know, that was a dream come true for me. Um, but yeah. I mean, it's kind of funny when you talk about that. We just had friends. They, uh, they took the trip of a lifetime. They went to, um, to the UK. They went to uh, Wales, Scotland, and of course, uh, you know, Britain. And, we were they they had come up to visit us and they were showing us pictures and stuff and she's like I got 250 pictures in this you know this um folder that she had printed out she goes that's like 10% of what I took I'm like you took 2500 photos while you were there I went to LA for a week I took uh maybe 100 pictures on my phone I'm not a picture guy because I would rather spend my time being in the moment and we could have that argument a whole nother time, but that's why I don't take pictures because I don't think about it at the time. At the time, I'm doing what I'm doing and not taking pictures. Most of the pictures I took were actually from Hollywood Boulevard, and they were pictures of stars. Okay. You know, well, on the ground. And, and that's something else that brings up, you know, phones and how they've evolved. 
Because remember absolutely. the days when a, a a portable phone, it was about the size of your normal hand receiver. I mean, these mm-hmm. things were bricks. And, you know, of course, nowadays, I admit I was didn't think I would really get into having a smartphone. But, I mean, that I remember so my useful. first... Yeah, I remember my first phone was a flip was one of the flip phones. And yeah, they had the digital cameras in them, but they were crap. Right. And now it's like my you can actually phone, My current phone has a 16 gigapixel phone or a camera. camera on it. I'm like and it has an 8 gigapixel front-facing camera. Yeah, well, I don't know what that means, but I know it's really good. Yeah. Well, and you know what they say, it's like um in the 1960s, NASA had about as, you know, your smartphone has more computing power than NASA had in the 60s. It, they it used has it, more computing power than they had when they put Neil Armstrong on the moon. Yeah, because that's how the meme goes. Your smartphone has more computing power than NASA had in the 60s. They used it to put men on the moon. We use it to launch birds at pigs. Yeah. But, again, I do like it how it does cut down on the amount of stuff you have to carry. Because, you know, it's your, you can use it as a phone. You can use it as a music player. You can, you know, if you download movies on it, you can watch movies on it if you don't have an internet connection. And, of course, you can play games. Have you seen the commercial for the new Samsung Galaxy 9 Note? This is specific to the Note. That's why I bring this up. But they have a... (laughs) Oh, sorry. I was just looking at something that my sister shared on Facebook. Sorry. (laughs) So, you know, the, the, where you put in your extended, um, your, your extended memory or whatever Mm -hmm. on the nine note, you can upgrade to a terabyte. Wow. You can, I mean, that's more memory and power than I have in the computer I'm using right now to talk to you. Yeah. And Isn't the, well, that ridiculous? Exactly. And because I think... And to bring this all the way back around, and that's why technology scares me, because if this goes away, the world is fucked. That is true. I And I know, because that is one of the things I know people do have concerns about, where sometimes you almost have to look at the doomsday preppers and go, you know, maybe you're onto something. But, you know, you think about how money... You know, I don't really, I don't know about you, but it's very rare for me to carry more than a few dollars worth of cash on me. I'm Um, a cash guy. (laughs) Yeah, and it's like, because most of, because what we do is we've got our credit card linked to the bank account or our checking Mm -hmm. account, which of course has its own, you know, it has its own advantages and disadvantages. But I mean, if something like that happens, you know, and all this money that you got in the bank, you can't access it. What then? Um, and I know another one of the concerns people have is with, uh, you know, their data. And this is why I, I prefer to keep my data backed up on, on external hard drives as opposed to cloud storage. Cause I'm, okay. I don't quite trust cloud storage because I'm always concerned that it can be hacked into. Now I doubt anyone's going to, if I did have a cloud storage, I doubt anyone would really hack into it it's not like i have anything um you know other than game products i'm working on it's not like i have top secret government documents or anything in there or it's not like i've got you know anything of earth shattering importance 
But still... Or next you're going to tell me you're not a spy for the CIA. I am not a spy for the CIA. I... Okay, but anyways. And, but that is, and the other thing that I know people are always concerned about is the camera. You know, the camera... Not the camera. The uh, webcams on their computers. Because, you know, someone can always hack into that and spy on you. And... I, you know, that's that's maybe true, but I'm like... I don't know what most people do with their with their computers or in front of their computers, but like, if you hack into my camera, if you hack into my camera, all you're gonna see is me sitting here, either writing something for one of my podcasts, listening to music, or watching YouTube. That's all you're gonna see. I don't do anything exciting. But so I never worry about that. But anyway, I think this is probably a good place for me to ask this question. As we move forward, as technology moves forward, is it going to be good or bad for the human race? I can see both. I can. There's definitely good parts about technology. I mean, the the stuff that we do. You know, me with myself publishing, and you know, both of us with our podcasting, and my case with my you know my YouTube video production. There was a day you know, a day and an age where you would need a lot of expensive equipment to be able to do that. But, you know, thanks to the availability of desktop publishing software and home audio recording equipment, and we actually talked about this when we were doing my podcast um, before we recorded this one. Okay, sorry to, to, sorry to pull the curtain, um, you know, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. But yeah, basically, the, my last episode of Geekery in general in this episode, Chad and I recorded it back to back. But And my ass is getting flat from sitting so long. TMI. But anyways, um, you know, we were talking on my show about how, you know, there was a time where if we wanted to do a podcast, you know, the microphones would be would cost a lot more and we'd have to go to like a, you know, a radio station or somewhere that had someone who is an audio engineer. But, I mean, you know, you think about it, look at how much we taught ourselves to use. And one of the things that's really made it possible for us to do this stuff is programs like Audacity that you can download for free. You know, did we ever think there would be a day when stuff like that would come? No, But no. I guess to answer your question, I would have to say that... I think that technology can do a lot to improve our lives. Um, but I think that it, there is certainly a, there is the danger of people becoming too reliant on it. And I know the people have talked about game addiction and, you know, whether video game addiction or, you know, even just binge watching something on Netflix and how that can have its own negative health impacts on you. Mm -hmm. But all I can say is rise of the machines. And I think so, that's where we'll end it. So you think Everyone that eventually, you, you think eventually we're going to get to the days of Terminator where the machines are going to take over? I don't know. But here's an interesting little thing. I was reading it's an article. Problem. I was thinking, in, in, I was reading an article a while ago. Do you know what one, what one of the biggest drivers to modern technology has been? Porn. You read my, yeah, pornography, not, you know, it's, and they were saying, it's like, okay, digital cameras, for example, one of the reasons that digital cameras and, you know, video cameras, 
you know, were developed and were caught on so much is porn. Uh, you know, someone wants to, you know, take a few sexy photos of themselves and their, uh, you know, their partner, they don't have to take it to the lab to be developed. They, you know, so you don't have that. And they're also saying that with pornography on the web actually pioneered a number of things like security, uh, streaming video. And mm-hmm. yep. And then also, uh, online payments, you know, online banking. So not online banking, online e-commerce. So yeah, kind of interesting to think about how much pornography has really uh, driven the modern world. Well, with that, I think we really do need to wrap this up. So, and I'm talking the podcast, not anything else. Ever wonder to yourself, how do I let this guy know how much I like or hate his podcast? Or think to yourself, man, I'd love to be a guest on his podcast. Well, I have a great idea for a podcast or for a topic. Well, you're in luck. There are two ways. There, there's a couple of ways you can reach out to me. First, send me an email at eclecticmediaproject at gmail.com and leave me a message. Or if you're more into the social media stuff, you can find me on Facebook at POI Network or at Whose Podcast Is It Anyway? Either way, I look forward to hearing from you. And now we wrap up this episode as we wrap up every episode, Al. And that is with quote of the day. So I'm going to read a quote, and you're going to tell me who said it. Fair enough? Uh, Sure, sounds good. All right, so the quote today is, How inappropriate to call this planet Earth when it is quite clearly ocean. Hmm. That sounds like something that that one guy who is famous for doing that one thing uh that, that sounds like something he would say okay seriously um i would have to guess that probably probably some science guy let's just say Jacques Cousteau because he did a lot of ocean well, stuff well you were on the right road it was uh sir C. Clark. Okay, oh, he's a British science fiction writer, science writer, and futurist, inventor, undersea explorer, and television series host. He is famous for being co-writer of the screenplay for the 1968 film 2001, A Space Odyssey, widely considered to be one of the most influential films of all time. And now, before we get out of here, Al, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? You can find me at POIGamestudio.com. You can also... Find me at poigamestudio.podbean.com, which if you're listening to this episode, you already know that. You can also look up Pointed Insanity Game Studio on Facebook. Stop by, like the page, and let's take our relationship to the next level. Oh, yeah. And with that... And you can follow me on Twitter, too. (laughs) And with that, thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. You have been listening to a program from the Point of Insanity Network. Visit us at poigamestudio.podbean.com for more shows. Follow us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at POI Game Studio.